0: when i see people doing renovations right i always tend to feel that people go quite emotionally into some of these things and so they always sort of overcapitalize into the renovation projects and that's where they end up losing a lot of money it's important i think knowing your risk appetite and knowing your passion and stretching yourself not to the extent that you start burning yourself owner occupies is what drives the growth in any market and typically that's the best strategy from a long-term perspective Hello and welcome to Help Me Buy Property Podcast. Today we are going to talk about the transitional journey of a real estate agent turned an astute property renovator. We're going to talk about the transition that this person take, what this person took from a real estate advisor to a full-time property renovator doing 17 property renovations in a single year. We're going to talk about his biggest pitfalls, his biggest failures and the learning process that he got from his life. What was the key turning points in him becoming a renovator and who were the people that he looked upon when he started developing his own life into the property renovation world? We are going to also talk about a real project, a real deal in the field where we are going to talk about his key points and takeaways when he's trying to identify renovation projects. How does he fund them? How does he find them? How does he renovate them? And we're going to also talk about how does some of these renovation projects works when he's trying to sell them. How does the transaction cost comes into place? How does the acquisition cost comes into place? And how does he raise some of the money? So stay tuned till the very end for the Golden, golden Nuggets. Thank you for listening to me today. Have a wonderful day. Today, our topic is really, really important. And and this is a topic that is really close to my heart in a sense that, you know, I haven't haven't done a lot of renovations myself. And so the guy today, Rolls, Graham uh, Whitfield, the guy today, Graham Whitfield, is the king of renovations when it comes to his story, his lifestyle, the way he pulls out the renovations. We'll go into a lot of detail talking about it. Let's do a big shout
1: out to Graham. Graham, how are you today? Well, thank you, Moxon. I appreciate uh coming on the show and having a chat with you and talking all things Renault and flips. Awesome. Awesome. And uh who was Graham before? Let's start right at
0: the at the beginning. You know, you clearly you didn't start it off in renovations, right? And so talk to me a bit about before and what's your lifetime, right? What does what was
1: Graham five years ago was doing and yeah. Okay, so from about mid twenties to sort of mid thirties, I think about about nine years or so, I was selling new homes. So I was doing that, yeah, um, you know, new home sales, selling house and land packages in Perth and that sort of thing. Yeah, was enjoyed sales. It was a you know, it was a, it was good industry being when you were sort of you know that age, and but then after a while, the, the Perth property market it was got pretty pretty average and. I, and I sort of got a bit burnt out and had enough, I suppose, and decided to jump out in 2019. And I actually went worked at Bio at North WA. I I had a, a worked in an emergency services role, which was did that for a couple of years. But while I was away, I sort of started. You know, I, I knew I wanted to. I've always sort of wanted to you know do my thing rather than sort of work for somebody else. And I decided that I would. Yeah, I, so I sort of ended up renovating and selling a house, one of my investment properties. And then I sort of ended up, you know, liked what I, you know, like the experience and ended up doing some courses while I was working FIFO on how to flip houses for profit. And yeah, jumped in and ended up, yeah, a couple of years later, I've, I've done 17 projects now, 17 flips. Wow.
0: And it's, it's interesting, I think from your perspective, the transition of you living a life of you know selling houses was quite commission based as well. So was it easier for you to do that transition into the business that you know you knew that you know there is a lot of contingencies around renovations and you may see small profits sometimes and big
1: profits some other times. Hundred percent, yeah. So the fact that I was you know a, a commission only sales rep for so long yeah you, you're used to that you know you're used to getting paid for your results rather than you know an hourly rate or a salary type thing so so yeah so i mean i sort of did uh when i when i sort of did a couple flips and then they were sort of really successful and you know i'd made pretty good money on those and then i i sort of my thing was i i quickly teed up a, a couple more projects and then i just i quit the um the work that i was doing away fifo and went full time into property flipping pretty much straight away
0: amazing and so let's talk about your first project, right? So, how did the transition really happen? Like, what triggered you? Why renovations? That is ten thousand things that you can do in property.
1: Yeah. Okay. So the first one. So I in twenty early twenty twenty one, I there was a pro, I, I had an investment property that got pretty trashed, I suppose from uh from a, from the tenants that they'd, they'd been in there a long time, and that, in order for me to sort of rent that out again or, or whatever i was going to do with that property it needed a renovation so i ended up renovating that property for about 38 grand and i actually did really well from it and then i thought to myself oh there's something in this yeah you know, so i was renovating and and then selling for a profit so i you know obviously things happen for a reason i saw a, a course advertised you know basically flipping property for profit sort of thing and i sort of jumped in and i got a coach and yeah i think you know within you know Within, me, within a month or two of me doing it I had sort of two projects and the first one was a the first one was actually a property in Waikiki which is part of Rockingham in, in Perth WA and yeah I mean it, the renovation took me a month or so and I sold it and made it I think I remember made 92 grand profit on that first project so that obviously gave me um, the, the to-, to to keep going. And a lot of the times when I see people
0: doing renovations, right, I always tend to feel that people go quite emotionally into some of these things. And so they always sort of overcapitalize into, you know, the renovation projects, and that's where they end up losing a lot of money. What about your failures? You know, are there like biggest failures through your learning process that has been where you'd be like, ah, shit, you know, I shouldn't have done this or you know, I shouldn't have put that, selected that expensive flooring here or it didn't really need a, 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 you know, 40mm bench top in this house. No,
1: we would still get the price. 100%. Look, it all comes down to knowing your market and knowing who your, who your buyer is. So when you're starting out, yeah, of course, you're not going to know your market as intimately as you will, you know, the more experienced you've become. So, you know, I'm, I'll give an example and I'm sort of pretty vocal on what I do. I've, I've been playing in the sort of the lower end market in Perth. There's been a lot of interstate investors and that sort of thing targeting the market. So I know exactly what I need to do and what, what product I need to deliver for those guys. They're you know, they're chasing rental yield, you know, so I, I don't have to spend too many dollars on the um on the real landscaping and stuff like that because, you know, there's gonna be a tenant in it who lives in it and, and you know, they're not overly worried about there's no emotion as far as as far as that. So you know, when you're starting out, though, yeah, you you try and make everything perfect, which you just don't need to. So you end up do spending you know a little bit too much, too much money. You know, you might be putting back to back to you know in the in the lower end, you might be putting um, back to wall toilets, for example, which you just don't need to do. So there's different things like that. For, you know, there's you know, it's same with your tapware and that. You know, you might be going fancy black tapware, and you might be going or you know gunmetal grey or whatever. You know, brush nickel. But the reality is, for if it's lower end properties and it's you know, interstate investors buying like in my market. I know I don't need to spend money on that sort of stuff. You know, so whereas at the start, yeah, you think to yourself, oh, if I spend a little bit more money, you know, I might get a bit more back. back. But it's it, it's not like that. You know, it's different if if you're playing in an owner occupied market and it's a more expensive market. Then of course, you know, you you need to you know you need to deliver what the buyer wants.
0: And and that's so true. I think one of my sort of learnings from the renovations that I've done in my you know prior life. You know, I haven't. I don't claim to do a lot of renovations in my property journey is that playing in the odd owner-occupier market and typically if you renovate it too quick and bring it out to the market one of the lessons that i learned was that people think that it's a it's a shonky renovation right because it's an owner-occupier it's very paranoid owner-occupier who think that oh this property was sold for four hundred thousand dollars eight weeks ago or three months ago and they're bringing this now this quick that means that they have just you know Done a lick of paint and brought this property out and asking for an extra two hundred thousand dollars for the sake of it.
1: Yeah, potentially, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it really depends on on the market that you're playing in hundred percent. And and an owner occupied market, their wish list is going to be different. And and you know, and the and the more expensive the property, the higher the, you know the higher end that you that you're playing in. Obviously, you know, you're going to have a smaller pool of buyers. And if you don't nail it, you're gonna you're gonna be yeah, you're gonna come off not all that great i suppose if you're working in that higher of the market you'd be you know you'd, you'd want to be working with the real estate agents who's going to be selling the property for you making sure that you're getting you're able to deliver the right product that the market wants so that's why you know the people that i sort of coach and and stuff as well now i sort of recommend that they sort of start at the lower end because know yeah, there's more room for there's bigger pool of buyers more room for error as well and yeah it just makes a lot more sense to and so if, if you take a step back what are the key three key lessons
0: that Graham has learned over his, you know, all of his lifetime in in real estate? You no know, renovations, no renovations.
1: So, what was that? So, three key,
0: so if I three key lessons that you have learned or the mistakes that you've made that has helped you become a Graham version two?
1: Yeah, okay, good. that's a good question. I think the biggest one is is data, looking at the data and knowing what the what the markets. Going to do, I mean, I I started investing in Perth as a probably twenty five year old in two thousand and nine. I think that's about right, and yeah, the market in Perth went. You know, everyone knows how badly the Perth market tracked from the you know from from the GFC through to twenty twenty. Our median house price was about the same, so. If I had done the same investing that I did in Perth back then in, say, Sydney or Melbourne, I, I, you know, it would have been much different. So I suppose I, I've learned a lot about property analysts, you know, someone I sort of follow quite closely is John Linderman. I have a lot, a lot to, to do with him. And, um, yeah, and just looking at that sort of data to make sure that you, you're buying in the right areas, that you, you know, that you're timing the market right and that sort of stuff because, yeah, if you're buying at the wrong time, then, yeah, then you're not going to you're not going to make profits in, you know, investing. What about feasibilities?
0: What about, you know, crunching the numbers and knowing your numbers up front?
1: Yeah, okay. So, yeah, um, when it comes to, the you know, the whole renovation space and flipping, feasibility is everything. So you need to be able to know all your numbers. You need to be able to know, you know, you need to be, you need to be an expert, in, like almost an area expert. You need to know exactly what the end sale is going to be because that's how you're going to come off on the, you know, badly is if you're overestimating what the end price is going to be so really important to know that you know what what it's going to sell for and and the only way you're going to do that is by having you know relationships with, with local agents by you know getting into the game you know, knowing the area well walking the streets, you know attending the home opens all that sort of stuff so crunching the numbers is, is really important but you know the longer that you sort of do renos and feasibility and all that sort of stuff so I'm at the stage now in my market i can just I don't even really have to do a feasibility, like as far as what the reno cost is going to be. I know what it's going to cost when I when I look at it, but that, that comes with with the experience. So yeah, so and then the other big, the other, the third thing would be with flipping is it's just knowing the who the buyer is, which I sort of touched on before. So, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna flip houses, you you have to know who the buyer is. Otherwise, you're not you're not renovating it to to what the market wants.
0: And has there ever been a time where you bought a renovation, you had an estimation in place? Or you thought you knew that, you know, this is what it's going to cost in renovations. And then next thing you know, you know, it's $50,000 more, $80,000 more than what you originally thought.
1: Yeah, so I actually had a project last year and it was, you know, I, I was forecasting a, yeah, a, a pretty decent profit, sort of 150 plus. And it was when the interest rates started like really going. And I sort of settled on just as the interest rate started taking off. And then by the time I finished renovating it, you know, a few months later, the the, the the whole owner-occupier market had changed in that Fremantle area. And look, my when I went to sell it, I, I it was on the market about three months, and I just couldn't sell it. And I could have, I was, you know, I almost took it off the market and almost rented it out. I was contemplating, you know, having that one as a, an Airbnb for a bit, walk until the market changed. But I ended up getting a a valuation done as well, independent valuation, just to see. You know, you know, because I did my numbers, I was like, surely I can't be r- wrong here, and the valuation ended up coming in at like one point three, so I was like, well, it's not much lower than what I expected. But I ended up taking one point two on that project just to be done with it, which meant I'd come out pretty much, you know, w- without any sort of hurt, I suppose, or not without. I think well, I might have lost five or ten grand on that project or something like that. So uh, that was a massive learning for me because, uh, and and I'll tell you the reason why there was it was a massive learning is I've just I've just hyped on about knowing your market and being an area expert. And there was a, a couple of things in that project that I got wrong. Okay. So that it was an area that had a lot of heritage properties and that sort of stuff. And this particular property wasn't as a sort of a character home. So I was sort of when I did my numbers and my feasibilities and even though I was speaking to agents and all that sort of stuff, I was really comparing it to other properties that were really because there was nothing really like it. So, I was comparing it to other sort of three-by-ones, three-by-twos that were more character homes. And it's just not what the, what the market wanted. So, that was, that was a, a big learning for me. Amazing. amazing. And if, um, if you
0: talk about the recent wins or, or, or let's take a step back. I think let's, let's try to dive deeper into some of these things, you know, that comes in. And I'm going to pivot some of these questions into some of the questions that are coming in my mind right now. The first one being the biggest problem that a full-time runaway of faces is the serviceability issues, right? And so if you're running a full-time business; there is no income anymore. How do you make the transition? What do you do differently? Uh, because clearly you're still using the debt,
1: right? And so how do you convince the bank? How do you solve that problem for pe- you know for yourself? Yeah. Okay. So I actually mostly use money partners for my deals rather than banks. So so because I've been playing on the lower end of, of earth, you know, like I've been buying properties for three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars, sort of thing. There was even some cheaper, two fifty, a couple of them. I've you know, I've been playing in that real lower end of space. So I've been using money partners to buy the properties outright, and I've been you know, typically paying money partners sort of fifteen percent random return on their investment. So a, a big thing that I've been doing is I've been using uh, money partners to purchase a property, and then I'd sort of fund the renovation. And and because I'm in and out of the deal, because I'm in and out of the deal so quickly. Yeah, you know, the return I'm giving to the money partner is is not is sort of insignificant. Like I, they might be making you know fifteen seventeen grand or something like that, but I'm still making you know fifty grand profits. Yes, exactly. So that
0: was my next question. Wouldn't you want to scale this up using the same money partner model and add that to your advantage?
1: Yeah, I mean, look at the, at the moment. Like I think I'm probably nine or ten deals this year so far. So. I don't really want to do too much more than that, to be honest. That's kind of you know enough deals, to be honest. Like it's it's you know I, I mean if I'd I'd need a much bigger trades team if I was to do much more than that to be able to to be able to do it all. So my thing is at the moment, you know, the way I'm sort of scaling is I'm I'm doing my flips, but then I'm also you know building my my, my other business, which is you know in my course and 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 coaching other people how to flip property. So rather than just trying to go crazy and do 20 or 30 flips a year, you know, I'm, I'm sort of comfortable with sort of around that 10, 10 flips a year, make good money from that, but then also, yeah, put my, put my energy into, into yeah, course and, and coaching others. And it's important,
0: I think, knowing your risk appetite and knowing your passion and, you know, stretching yourself, not to the extent that, you know, you start burning yourself um, is very important to a lot of these things, right? You know, a lot of people ask me that questions all the time that, why only do 10 developments every two years? And I said, well, that's my appetite, right? I don't want to do any more. And yes, I can, but that doesn't mean that just because you can, you should. Um, and so it's a very genuine point. You know, I can completely resonate to that.
1: Yeah. I mean, if the market was to come off, I mean, I, I'm pretty, you know, I believe, you know, the people I speak to that Perth still got a fair bit more growth. So, yeah, look, but at the same time, like you said, like, if you know, if the market did come off, something happened, you know, That just change, like COVID, for example. When the market just you just see, I only want to have sort of two or three on the go at once. Because I I typically, if I'm doing like you know nine or ten flips in a year, each quarter, I'm sort of doing you know no more than sort of two or three at one time, sort of thing. So that's that's enough for me to manage, and and then sort of put my energy into you know other areas as well.
0: Definitely, definitely. And so when we talk about the transition into the renovation space, let's talk about three key influential people that have basically helped you move into this space or, or, or change your mindset completely. I know you talked about one of the coaching sessions that you did for, you know, renovations.
1: Okay, as far as people that had the biggest influence on me, you know, moving into this space, that would be, like okay, I mentioned John Lindemann before. Like He's probably one of the, you know, he I still speak to him, he provides me a lot of data and that sort of stuff. So I use him... As a you know, as a as a way of being comfortable, you know, with with that sort of stuff, with data and you know, making sure that it's still heading in the right trajectory. Second would be, i uh, probably my first coach, which was Karen Baldwin. She was somebody who I yeah absolutely hammered when I first started. I um yeah just you know got as much information out of her as possible. I think she did something crazy like sixty flips or something like that. So. Yeah, so I, I absolutely milked her for as much information as I could and and um yeah, that was she would say she was somebody I don't, I don't speak to Karen too much anymore, but yeah, you know, at the time I, I definitely learned a lot from her. And the third person would be I don't know if I've got a third to be honest from this from this space. I think they would be the two people that I've once you give a call out to your wife, maybe being supportive in the background. Well, yeah, she had to, she has to put up with me. So yeah, she puts up with me. I mean, that's the thing. Like when when you're doing this sort of stuff, you know, you you are working a lot. Like you, you know, you so she she's at home. You know, you know, looking after the family. We've got three kids, so she's uh, she's doing all the hard work there. But yeah, and I think it's important. I think people, yeah, tend to you know this uh, discount
0: thinking about you know the ones that are close to you that are supporting you, especially when you're starting up your business. Right? I I remember you know going back you know almost eight years ago, nine years ago now that, you know, number of hours that you put in in building and growing the business because you're so passionate about it, you know, you, you lose track on a lot of these things, right? So you need an anchor to bring you back every time. And yeah, definitely, you know, your close ones, your family plays a really, really big role in a lot of these things, especially when you're setting up but going for a big empire, like what you're trying to do in your space. Let's talk about the real project. I think this is the most interesting one. Real project, real numbers. Let's start from the real start you know how do you find it what are the key things that you look out for when you're trying to buy it how do you pick the market you know you've talked about data but how do you pick you know the buyer that you're going to sell it to you know do you do anything different when it comes to renovations?
1: yeah so i mean like i said i've known you know i've been flipping in i I started flipping out mostly in the in the rockingham area which is part of in the south and it got hot really quickly with a lot of interstate investors and that sort of stuff. So I I, I knew that it was a, a good a good spot to be, good location. And obviously there was a lot of price movement, so I knew that was was positive. So and the way my formula as far as sort of picking it is, I've sort of my my formula is, you know, is the whatever the end price is. So I, first thing, first number I've got to work out is okay, what's this this house going to rent? What's this going to sell for once it's renovated? Okay. And then I work backwards from there. So I've got to work out. So my formula is end price minus all cost minus my minimum profit margin equals my maximum buy price. So I'll give you an example what that so what that means. So let's say for example, the end sale price was you know six hundred thousand minus what all the costs are. So if all the costs are I don't know seventy grand minus my minimum profit margin. My minimum profit margin is always sixty grand. I typically want more than that, but that's my absolute minimum. So if it's say six hundred minus all my costs minus my sixty grand minimum profit, then equals that's my maximum buy price. So I'd always, if I know what my maximum buy price is. So let's say, say my maximum buy price was four hundred, I would know that okay, four hundred is the most I'll pay for this property. That's my walk away price. But I'm willing, so I'm going to go in a fair bit lower than that. I might go in at you know somewhere in the mid threes. You don't want to be offering too much at the start because, you know, you want to have that room for negotiation because you've got your walkaway price. If you if you offer too close to that and then, you know, they say no, then you've got no room to negotiate.
0: Yeah. And do you go out to auctions looking for these properties or is it just the off-market channel now looking for tied properties because they usually don't go out to auctions any anyway because they're not, you know, picture-perfect properties?
1: Yeah. I mean, last year I secured two deals on market. But this year, no, nah, no, nah, I haven't. Like, I think every single deal this year has been off market. It's just been too hot a market to be able to compete at home opens, and Perth's not a market for auctions. It's not. We just don't do auctions in Perth. It's just not not the done thing. So the only auctions you'll see at Perth are typically like your mortgagee sales from banks and stuff like that. But even you know, even if even if I went to a mortgagee auction, which is yeah, it's going to be run down, and that there's going to be ten other property flippers there. So. I know that I'm not willing to pay as much as what they are, anyway, because most people want to. You know, most people are happy to renovate a house and flip it for less than what I'm willing to do that for. I know a lot of other property flippers are making sort of forty to fifty k profit, which for me, I just don't. It's not worth it. I'd rather put my time and energy into projects that are going to make me a better return. Sure, sure. And
0: doesn't the transaction cost kills the projects? You know, I know a lot of people always get scared from these transactional costs that gets attracted, you know. What's stopping you from holding this? I know that you mentioned that, you know, you have money partners, but you could potentially borrow the money from the bank and pay them out, you know, at the end of
1: the deal. Yeah, look, I, I get this question a lot. So I'm, 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 you know, I have a different strategy where I'm, you know, accumulating property as well. But the main reason for the flipping, the areas that I'm, I've been focusing on, like I said, at the moment had mostly been, Suburbs that I wouldn't want to accumulate property in. I mean, I know there's a lot of these. you know it's no offense to these areas, but there's I just don't want the issue with the with the with the bad tenants and that, that in those sorts of, in some of these areas, the Rockinghams the Granadas and Armidale. Look, I'm happy to take my money and run, to be honest. Rather than you know, and you got to remember, you're buying these houses pretty run down, so they need a renovation. If I was to buy the house and then you know do a full renovation on it because it needs it, and then you put a tenant in it. You know, it, who knows what it's going to look like in the next few years after that. So, for me, you know, I can still, I can still, I can still flip property and make you know hundred grand or more, and and I can do it so quickly. So,
0: right now, from where I see the way the put market market is going, typically what you're doing is you're milking the the growth, right? And it's a it's an amazing strategy, right? Where to from here? If I if I say Graham, what are you going to do? Say two years down the track, when the market is a bit matured. And you wouldn't see that depreciation coming through. What would Graham be doing? Is there plans for Graham? Of course, you talked about your coaching.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll relocate to a better location to flip property. <laughs> well, you start doing something maybe more higher end. Well, I look at it, yeah. That, I mean, there's that option as well. You could I could look at yeah. I think basically if you look at the you know the data and what's happening in Perth, the property market at the moment, most of the growth has been in the lower end. So, and I've been aware of that. So that's that's where it's been. And, What's happening is, or what has happened, is a lot of these suburbs in the lower end have actually caught up to more what I classify as like the middle market. There's not much price disparity between them and now. So, and this is the thing, like, why would I why would I be wanting to buy properties and accumulate in those areas when I can buy properties in better suburbs and accumulate those? That's my sort of thinking. But what, there's definitely going to be an opportunity to flip properties in that sort of middle to higher market over the probably 2024, 2025. 'Cause I think still think we've got a couple more years of growth over here and it's gonna be and it's gonna move into that owner occupier market. So look, there's definitely um, potential. Like I said, you know, I use people like John Lindeman to, to provide the data. So when, when the market comes off in, in those other areas, then yeah, I'll just follow the yeah, where, where the buyers are. Definitely, definitely. And look, I completely agree. I think there is a massive disparity between prices,
0: especially in far south versus the middle middling of south, you know, very close to the Southern River and all of those pockets. And then same in, in the north, right? It's, it's quite amazing, you know, what people are paying in Clarkson and past versus, you know, some of these lower points, you know, around Marenguru where the prices are literally very similar. And so it, it's quite interesting as to why this disparity has happened. And of course, you know, buyers from Eastern Seaboard, you know, don't realize that there is this massive disparity and they keep hounding all of these areas and, you know, following the herd and you know, listening to 10 different podcasters thinking that these are the, this is where the growth is happening, basically.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think a, a big part of it has to do with the buyers agents. I think a lot of the buyers agents just don't know the market that well. That's my honest opinion. They've driven up these markets. Which are they doing the right thing by the buyers? In my opinion, probably not because they just don't know the market that well, and so they're just chasing rental yields and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's a funny one because yeah, there is a lot of other suburbs in Perth, a lot closer to the city. There's areas. Closer to Fremantle, where you could you could still probably buy for close to you know six hundred thousand if you buy the you know the right property off market sort of thing, and you're paying and you're paying the same or the same prices in Rockingham, for example. So to me, that just doesn't make sense. So and like you said, north of the river, like north of Clarkson and stuff like that. So you know, there's people. There's a whole lot of interstate investors that have been buying up in these in like Alkermoss and they're just like greenfield areas. There's so much land, so much more development to happen out there the infrastructures still not really there so for me yeah you've got it you yeah, you you've got to know your market and you've got to yeah a lot of these people have never
0: been to perth like i remember you know 2021 when i went to perth and i was walking through armadale i was like holy shit like you know i would never buy here right now the market is so low gentrification yes doing flips makes a lot more sense there and uh, when I saw the flood coming through, I'd be like, well, the gentrification hasn't really happened. Like people living there are still people living there, right? I don't see any income level changes, etc." So I completely agree. I think buyers agents are, there's a lot and shit ton of buyers agents right now who are, you know, coming into the market trying to chase yields. Perth have already known itself for higher yields. And so, you know, this could end up being 2015 as well, like the mining boom and, you know, market adjustment comes
1: back. So, you know, yeah, touch wood. The other thing I just want to touch on that as well is, you know, these areas that they'll buy the, you know, you know, the Rocky Hams and the Bananas and the Armadales, which I said, I don't really want to accumulate property, but I'm happy to flip there because every second or probably more, like because nine in 10 buyers are an interstate investor. Like to me, I look at it and go, well, it's going to be a lot of rentals in this market, a lot of rentals. So, so for me, like, I think to myself, like, have, you know, do I really want to be in a market where, like, if the, when the mining does come off eventually, you know, you're going to have a lot of, you know, people if people do leave the city again, which has happened in the past, and I know a lot of people say, oh, that the city's changed and all that. But I've sort of been here my whole life, and it's still very much driven. The economy is still very driven by the by the mining industry, and so if, if Perth does come off the ball like it did in 2015, like it did in 2008 then I don't want to be in, in markets where it's you know predominantly renters I'd rather be in I'd rather accumulate properties in owner-occupied location definitely I
0: completely agree I think owner-occupies is what drives the growth in any market and typically that's the best strategy from a long-term perspective you know when there are investors so much uh, invested in one area then naturally they all disappear at the same time because you know they all become paranoid at the same time as well so Ram let's get right into the numbers you know let's talk about the real deal in the field let's talk about the armadale deal that you're talking about which is you know the shining armor and the star that you're wearing on let's talk about that you know how did you find it you know what are the numbers let's go through some of
1: those details yeah okay yeah so the armadale one is the most recent one i've just completed it's literally going under off about 10 days ago so it's a property i secured in may as far as i got it under contract in may this year and, and i think i settled in the 18th or 19th of August or something like that. So it was only a five-week renovation, and I sold it, yeah, sort of first week of October. So I bought it for 250 which is an absolute, yeah, bargain. Uh, you definitely make your your money when you bought a property. Was it a, like a drug out or something? Yeah, no, I won't say that. But, um, no, it, it definitely had a, couple of in, had a couple of interesting rooms, though. I'll, I'll, yeah, had, a, had one or two interesting rooms. But, no, it wasn't a meth lab or anything like that. But yeah, so I spent sixty grand on the renovation, and I just sold it for five twenty-five. So that was a, yeah, a really good outcome. Amazing. And uh,
0: and so, of course, it came off from your off-market channel. How did you know this was the right? Was it just the price that was dictating it, or how did you find this? You know, talk, talk us through in relation to you know the search, and then you know what was the market sort of study looking like? You know. Yes, you were looking at the investor market, but you know what did you do to the property for sixty nine thousand dollars?
1: Yeah, sixty thousand. Um, yeah, so look, it was a, it was. I knew the area was obviously hot, so I targeted the hot uh, the suburb. You know, I I did letterbox drops, that sort of thing, and yeah, look, regarding the actual renovation, it's all about the price. So, uh, you know, it's all about being able to secure the price. you know, you do your feasibility. I know, okay, what the end sale price is going to get when it's renovated in in Armidale, and then you're obviously working backwards, so therefore you can work out what your what your buy price is. So at 250, I knew I was buying this property exceptionally well, and then be- because I knew it was a hot area, I also knew I was going to get growth. So when I initially did my my feasibility, I think I worked it out as an end price of 470, and I ended up selling at 525. So so I got some growth in there. So you know when you break down the profit, yeah, I made 170 plus in, in this on this project, but because I bought in a suburb with growth, there was an extra, you know, so 50 grand that I probably wouldn't have got. So don't get me wrong, I would have been happy with 120000 000 profit, which is what I initially forecasted. But you know when you when you're picking the right suburbs, you're looking at the data and you're picking areas where there's growth. Then obviously you're getting that that added growth which adds to your profit. And what do you get for sixty
0: thousand when you're renovating? Is it like brand new kitchen, brand new bathroom, everything brand new, like flooring, carpets, etc.?
1: Yeah, so I, I gut the house with this. Not always, but for this house, definitely, I gutted the house completely. So, you know, I literally have demo, take everything that's in there out, keep the you know, keep the um, the four walls and the the floor and the ceiling. That's about it. Even the ceiling needed a, a good touch up. Actually, there was a fair bit of uh, water damage and that sort of stuff, so that needed a, a bit of attention. But what a 60 grand gets you yeah it gets you a new kitchen new bathrooms gets you a new flooring, new lighting lines paint throughout inside and out and render the front front lawn and that's about it amazing
0: amazing and uh, any recent projects that you're doing that you are looking at it and you'd be like ah oh, you know i'm going to beat this record now uh, and make more
1: uh the, i've had a few good results like that this year i think three projects i the, the three better ones I've had was sort of 170, 150, 140 sort of profits. I've had a lot around the sort of the hundred mark, but um, yeah, they're not all that good. They're not all you know. You can't expect to have those sorts of profits every time. So the project I've got at the moment is not going to be as good as that. I've got one on on the go at the moment, and I think I'm forecasting you know probably eighty thousand something like that, which is obviously nothing to sneeze at, but it's not going to be it's not going to be the, as good as the Armadillo one I've just completed. So so yeah, so I've got the one at the moment which is in. The one I'm currently doing at the moment is in Palmelia. I just literally sold another one last month in Palmelia, so I finished another one. I made 110 on that one, whereas this one I'm doing in Palmelia at the moment, yeah, I'm probably forecasting maybe 80 or something like that. It's amazing. And so
0: the the buyers who are buying this, don't they question that you know this was bought five weeks ago, two months ago, and this is coming out you know with all the information available out there? How how do you navigate that, or how does real estate Agents navigate through some of those answers.
1: It's funny you say that because my agent Nikki actually just had this conversation with me about a week ago when, obviously, when the property is under offer, because she actually said, "Oh, Nikki, but he only bought it like a, a last month for um, in August for for uh two fifty and, and Nikki thought, "So, <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. That's what that's what four by twos four by twos are selling for now. They're selling for five twenty five. So, yeah, so it's not like they paid." Too much because that's you know there was nine offers on that property so you know so look the thing the thing is you know when you're buying when I'm buying houses I'm buying houses that need a lot of work these are not houses that that you would want to live in as as is at the moment do you know what I mean so majority people would 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 not would not purchase it in the condition that I purchased it
0: yeah yeah no definitely and look. I think all of this sounds really, really awesome. Looking forward to your course that is coming out. And I'm sure that, you know, people who would be poached by you or who would listen to you, they would do wonders in this amazing space. Of course, renovations is something that I'm always scared of because I don't have a creative born in me, but it's an amazing space. It's an amazing space that delivers quicker returns that, you know, if you know how to do it and if you are ready to put the effort in, you know, the, the results are amazing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's it's good quick money. I mean, if you're someone that's um, sort of starting out in investing journey, rather than sort of the old traditional buy and hold, or even if you're someone that you know that you know has aspires to do development one day, you know renovations can be a good way to start because you know flipping, like you said, you're getting paid in sort of three or four months versus a lot of developers aren't getting you know it's taking one, two, three years to get paid for development. So yeah, it can be a lot more chunkier and more rewarding in development. But you when know, you're starting out and you're wanting to build up cash flow then flipping houses is a very good way to get started. Any
0: parting words, Graham? You know, if I ask you to basically, you know, say one sentence about, okay, renovations and, you know, if people who are watching you, listening to you, you know, what would you say in relation to, you know, where can they find you, um, how to reach out to you, what's the easiest way?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, look, I've just, um, like I said, I've started a, a, an additional business. It's called Red Main. It's i I've got a releasing a property course. It actually comes out October the 16th. So it's next Monday. And I've also coaching some people. So helping other people do what I do. So if they want to reach out to me, by all means, jump on my website, you know, redmain.com.au and or, or yeah or you can jump on my socials i've got a facebook group flipping houses and buying off market so yeah you can reach out to me on and my all my socials as well as well as wits underscore flips. so w h i w h i double t s underscore Flips. yeah you can sort of reach me on there as well perfect
0: and look thank you for finding time coming in today graham this was lovely it was amazing to hear your story you have done really really well super proud i think this was this is a true story of starting completely different and pivoting during you know different times and making sure that you know you can build along and learn along the way as well so an amazing story to share thank you very much
1: thank you i really appreciate it thank you well viewers
0: listeners if you have any questions comments please drop it into the comments below if you have any questions that you want me to pass on to graham you know reach me out at moss at helpmebuy.com.au Thank you for listening to me. Take care. Stay safe. Keep investing. Keep in. Keep smiling. Keep renovating. This is Graham Moss checking out. Adios.
1: Thank you.